Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Sermons Podcast. I'm Stuart Cutler, I'm the Minister of St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. This week we focused on 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. So let's hear the passage read by Anne and then hear the sermon. The first reading is from 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. Elijah is taken up to heaven. The time came for the Lord to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha set out from Gilgal, and on the way Elijah said to Elisha, Now stay here, the Lord has ordered me to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, I swear by my loyalty to the living Lord and to you that I will not leave you. So they went on to Bethel. A group of prophets who lived there went to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha answered, but let's not talk about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, now stay here. The Lord has ordered me to go to Jericho. But Elisha answered, I swear by my loyalty to the living Lord and to you that I will not leave you. So they went on to Jericho. A group of prophets who lived there went to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha answered, but let's not talk about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Now stay here, and the Lord has ordered me to go to the river Jordan. But Elisha answered, I swear by my loyalty to the living Lord and to you that I will not leave you. So they went on. And 50, 000, 50 of the prophets followed them to the Jordan. Elijah and Elisha stopped by the river, and the 50 prophets stood a short distance away. Then Elijah took off his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided, and he and Elisha crossed to the other side on the dry ground. There Elisha, sorry, there Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what you want me to do for you before I am taken away. Let me receive the, sh- the share of your power that will make me your successor, Elisha answered. This is a difficult request to grant, Elijah replied, but you will receive it if you see me as I'm being taken away from you. If you don't see me, you won't receive it. They kept talking as they walked on, then suddenly a chariot of fire pulled by horses of fire came between them and Elijah was taken up to heaven by a whirlwind. Elisha saw it and cried out to Elijah, My father, my father, mighty defender of Israel, you are gone. And he never saw Elijah again. In grief, Elisha took his cloak in two, tore his cloak in two. Then he picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then he struck the water again, and it divided, and he walked over to the other side. Our second reading is from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. A Samaritan village refuses to receive Jesus. As the day drew, as the day drew near when Jesus would be taken up to heaven, He made up his mind and set out on his way to Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of him who went into the village in Samaria 
to get everything ready for him. But the people there would not receive him because it was clear that he was on his way to Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then Jesus and his disciples went on to another village. As they went on their way, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lie down and rest. He said to another man, Follow me. But that man said, Sir, first let me go back and bury my father. Jesus answered, Let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another man said, I will follow you, sir, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, Anyone who starts to plough and then keeps looking back is of no use to the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not really sure I fancy Elisha's job, do you? Take over from the most famous prophet in the history of Israel. Easy, isn't it? Not much to live up to there. It's always daunting taking over from somebody, isn't it? And it happens quite a lot to people like me. If I ever need reminding who's come before me, then there are boards at the back with everybody's name on them. And that's a funny thing. Because I know some of the people on the boards. I know Tom and Paul. And I knew Derek and Catherine on the URC side, but the rest of them are just names. They're people I've never met, I don't know, but you do, at least some of them. And I hear about their stories when you talk about them. Dr. Gemmel and Mr. Vincent come up quite a lot. Three years ago, on this very weekend, I preached on the same passage. I'd been invited to preach at the ordination of my friend Rosemary, a woman that I'd studied for, with for three years. And as an added bonus, Rosemary lives on the Isle of Rassi. And she was being ordained to St. Columba's Episcopal Church in Portree and Skye. And that's not the only reason we're friends. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, the passage that I was presented with was this one on the afternoon before the service. Everyone and I travelled up and I'd phoned to check just when I arrived and discovered that I had been given the wrong readings and I'd already written my sermon. But it wasn't going to fit. So out came the laptop, which I was glad I'd brought with me. It wasn't going to, but I chucked it in at the last moment. And there went an afternoon wandering around the shops and sitting in a cafe drinking coffee. But this is a perfect passage for an occasion like that. I don't know if any of you have ever been to an ordination or a priesting in the Episcopal Church, but it involves a thing called a chasuble. We don't have chasubles. It's a sort of cloak that goes over your head. It's a bit like a poncho, but fancy. Another name for that kind of cloak is a mantle. The chasuble that priests wear usually belongs to the church, not to the minister. And so the priest is quite literally taking on the mantle 
of the old one. There's some lovely symbolism in that, I think. But it's a real reminder that as the new minister, you've got some big shoes to fill. A bit like Elisha. Elijah was a legend. He'd gone up against the mighty king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He'd defeated the prophets of Baal. He'd run away. We heard last week that he met God on the mountain where God spoke to him in the silence. Elisha must be a bit overwhelmed by all of this. Elijah's about to depart and he's going to do it in a way that cements his reputation as one of the greatest prophets of all. He will be lifted up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Dead normal that, isn't it? (laughs) Happens to all of us. And Elisha's worried. How on earth is he going to live up to that? And so he comes up with a plan. He asks Elijah, can I have some of your spirit? Now that sounds like an odd thing to ask for, isn't it? But it's not the first time that we've heard of such a thing in the Bible. Moses gathers together the leaders of the tribes and each of them receives a portion of his spirit so that they can help Moses to lead the people of Israel. So Elisha asks for some of Elijah's spirit. After all, it seems that Elijah's got plenty to spare, doesn't it? And he receives it. And the other thing that he gets is Elijah's mantle, his cloak. I often wonder how Elisha felt as he watched Elijah soar off into the sunset in his chariot of fire. Right, good. Just me now then. (laughs) And we read that Elisha tears his cloak sign of his grief and perhaps that's one of the things that we're not so good at grief comes to all of us all of us have lost people we deeply deeply care about and yet sometimes we keep our grief bottled up very private there's something very healthy about tearing your cloak it's a public sign of grief an outward demonstration of how we feel on the inside. We talk about being torn in two. Well, Elisha quite literally tears his cloak in two. The cloak could be sewn back together again, couldn't it? But it'll never be the same. It'll have stitches, just like we do when we are wounded. We get stitches and scars. Elisha is upset. Of course he is but he doesn't seem to dwell on it. He doesn't seem to dwell very long in what has been lost, at least not any longer than he needs to. Elisha knows that there is a job to do. He's got stuff to get on with. He knows that he is now the prophet of God. It's his turn now. Do you wonder how he felt though? Perhaps a a little bit like those moments where we've been in training for something, learning how to do it, and our teacher steps back and says, when you go, your turn. No safety net, no stabilizers, just when you go, it'll be fine. And yet the little voice in our head says, if I fall, this is going to hurt a lot But then Elisha's not quite alone, is he? 
He's asked for something. He asked for a portion of Elijah's spirit, and his wish was granted because he stayed with Elijah to the very end. There's almost some comedy in this story. Elijah seems to be doing like a farewell tour, doesn't he? They start at Gilgal and they go to Bethel and they go to Jericho and eventually they go to the Jordan. All the major sites, all the big religious centers he visits. I wonder if he got t-shirts with the dates on the back. And Elisha stayed with him to the very, very end. He could have stayed and let him go on ahead, but he doesn't. Even though he's given the opportunity to three times. One more journey. One more opportunity to learn something from his teacher. And of course it's a test. Elijah knows that what lies ahead for Elisha is going to be tough. He's going to need all of his determination and all of his faith and all of his strength to get through it. And Elisha stays the course. And his reward is great. Elijah's mantle. What seems clear, though, is that Elisha knows that he's not Elijah. And that's not a very good place to start, is it? Or perhaps it is. Don't try to be the same. Just be yourself. Be you. Don't try to copy what's been before. And it's a trap we very often fall into in the church, isn't it? We're handed on the mantle of those who've been before us and we make the mistake of trying to preserve everything that they created rather than continuing our own journey. Of course, we should carry the best of what our forebears gifted to us. But we shouldn't be limited to that, should we? And the church is one of those few parts in life where we seem to get a bit stuck sometimes. We treat our faith like it's a precious jewellery box that we've inherited perhaps. We polish the box and we admire it, but we never wear the precious jewels inside because they might get lost or damaged. Or your wedding china. It's too good to get used. It might get broken. And so it sits there and it gets brittle. And if you do use it, it cracks. Elisha takes Elijah's mantle immediately and he does something new. Immediately he puts it to the test. He takes it and he strikes the water and nothing happens. Not a thing. Well, he's got a wet cloak and perhaps a really empty feeling and a knot in his stomach. Perhaps because there's 50 prophets watching. He feels a bit foolish and a bit embarrassed. He's not Elijah. It's just as he feared. I wonder how many of us have had that kind of feeling before. That feeling where we realize that we're not quite what we thought we were or who we thought we were. That perhaps we're not enough. That we don't have what it takes. That we can never live up to those we're taken over from, those who came before us. Well, I've got some news for you. All of those people that you look up to, all of those people who have inspired you, all those people who have created all the things that you hold dear, felt exactly the same way. They worried that they weren't good enough. 
He worried that it wouldn't be the right thing. And he did it anyway. And then Elisha remembers something. He remembers that he's not called to be Elijah. He's called to be Elisha, the prophet of God. Just like our ancestors, Elisha calls on God to give him the strength to do what God needs done. And then he takes Elijah's mantle again and he calls on God to help him and he strikes the water and the water parts. And they cross over to the other side, ready to begin a new life. Ready to bring the good news of God to the people who need it most. It's the same call that we all hear today. Take up your cross, hand over the baton, take up the mantle and keep passing it on. You, you are an agent of the gospel. You are an inspirer of souls. You are a teacher of truth and a practitioner of Christ-like love. You are a fighter for justice. You are a healer of hearts. You are a peacemaker and a provider of hope. You can wipe away the tears from people's eyes. You can provide bread for the hungry. You can find ways to make people whole. You can help people to be free when they're oppressed. You can show compassion to those in prison. You can bring light to those who are in dark places. You can be Christ wherever you are. And know that today God is on your side. Because you are chosen by God. You are loved by God. You are protected by God and nurtured by God and taught by God. And you are equipped by God. So let's live today as if it was our last. To serve those in need as though they were Christ himself. To pray for the power of God to touch us and never give up on God who called each and every one of us into his service. And when all is said and done, you will have done all that Christ asked of you and expects of you and he will say to you, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's join in saying, Your hand, O God, has guided your flock from age to age. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.